Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. This week in cricket covers a whole cornucopia of cricket from around the world this week. We've got Quinton de Cox antics to run out Fak as a man for 193. We've got the Australian women's world record. Craig Braithwaite still rocking those sunglasses. Washington Sundars named his dog Gabba, for goodness sake. The DRS is going to include bales, of all things. And we talk a little bit about IPL injuries and withdrawals, all coming up on This Week in Cricket. Stay tuned. So guys, before we get to the New Zealand summer and wrapping that up, it's decidedly autumnal here in Auckland, although we're all um, still in shorts and and t-shirts, which is pretty good. Um, But we've got a few bits and pieces, a few antics going on around the world of cricket. We'll talk about Craig Bathwaite's sunglasses, but let's start with Quinton de Kock. What do we think? Yeah, well, so if, I guess for anyone who hasn't seen it, there's uh, probably probably by the time this episode comes out, it, it might be a little bit old news. We've got uh, Raj uh, banging on his microphone over there, which has confused me. But uh, but anyway, we've got uh, Quinton de Kock has uh, come under a bit of controversy for the way a run out has happened. Uh, Fucker Zaman has been run out uh, in, yeah, Quinton de Kock is pointing to the bowler's end. Fucker Zaman thinks... There's no, the ball's not coming to his end. Aidan Markram, great throw, hits the stumps, and Zaman is out while he's just dawdling back into his crease. What do we think about it, boys? For 193. I know, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah we should mention the that. Highest, highest ever ODI chasing score. Incredible. What's the law say? So the law that could apply here is law 41.5. Uh, and 41.5.1 states that it is unfair for any fielder willfully to attempt by word or action to distract, deceive, or obstruct either batsman after the striker has received the ball. 45.2 says it is for either one of the umpires to decide whether any distraction, deception, or obstruction is willful or not. And in that case, the umpire's if they choose to take action, law 41.5.3 comes into effect. If either umpire considers that a fielder has caused or attempted to cause such a distraction, deception, or obstruction, he or she shall immediately call and signal dead ball and inform the other umpire of the reason for that call. Then five penalty runs are awarded to the batting side in addition to any runs scored off that delivery, and the batting side gets to choose who faces the next ball, and the ball is rebolt. Raj, I can see you, you've got an opinion on this. I actually don't have a strong opinion. It's, it's probably funny that I asked for the law there, but I think that this has more to do with the spirit of cricket than anything else, uh, to be honest. I don't think, look, let's boil this down. I don't think that this actually had anything to do with the eventual result of the game. I think that the game was, was probably gone by yeah, that Yeah, so stage. in the context of that, uh, Pakistan needed 31 runs off the last six balls, and they fell 14 short. Mm. Uh, I think it's a... A bit of a dick move uh, by Quinton de Kock, but look, I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not massively up in arms about it. Like I think there are a few of us around the table here, but I, I do think it was a dick move uh, from on his part. Yeah, look, I mean, I was a keeper back in the day, and boy, I was a prick at times on the field. Um, but yeah, as you said, Raj, I just. <laughs> It's a spirit of cricket thing. I think um, I, there was a similar thing, or not a similar thing, but Johnny Bairstow um, 
faked Steve Smith in an Ashes test not too long ago where the ball was nowhere near Steve Smith, but he was running to the keeper's end and Bairstow shaped as if he's going to take the bails off to make Smith dive into his crease. He's got a, you know, a face full of popping crease and um, sort of stood up and, and Bairstow's just laughing away. That in a day's test cricket is probably you know, trying to entertain yourself. And I, I still thought that was pretty off key. But this was just, there was no way that he was signalling the fielder. He was, he was doing it to try um, and put um, Zaman off. Um, and yeah, the results kind of really irrelevant. It, it just really is not a great move, not in the spirit of the game, particularly at the state of the game as well. What was the point? I think also, I feel like if you are the batsman, if you are a fucker, you've got to be grumpy at yourself for not making ground. Yeah, you've you, you've got to take that on yourself. Yep. We can't have this sort of snowflake sort of society that we've got going on a little bit here. He's got to take that on himself. He didn't make his ground. And to be fair and to him, he, he did afterwards. Yeah. And he didn't know where the ball was. So that, and that's 100% on him. Uh, yeah, that's where I sit on that. But you think about um, the fake fielding, uh, I'm, I assume that law came in. 2017. Yeah, because people were doing those slides in the outfield, right? They yep. were sliding when before the ball had even got to the fielder on the boundary. They would slide at the 30-meter circle, pretending that they'd already got it. Yep. There's so many things going on when you're running. How do you actually take into account all the things that are going on? Because I, you you want to like check that, that your partner's being run out, or you, you're trying to be aware of where the ball is. That's kind of what you're told when you're running, isn't it? Be aware of where the ball is, not just run, because yeah. so, you want to see what's going on. Yeah. So two two things happened there in the running between the wickets. That was that was that was poor cricket from from Pakistan's point of view. Um, Fakir Zaman was watching his batting partner, which is a no no. You should be running to the to the far end and running hard to get, to make your ground and not give up no matter where the ball is. The partner running to the danger end, as soon as he saw the throw leave the hand, should have been calling your end, your end, your end. There is no way that he should not have known that the ball was coming to his end and there's no way that he shouldn't have been running as hard as he can. So there's two pieces of poor cricket there from Pakistan in terms of their running between wickets. I agree with with you, Raj. I think it was a willful piece of distracting the batsman. I, I think in the terms of the way that the, the law is worded, that was willful from Quinton de Kock. And two things make me think that. One is that the ball had long left the bowler's arm when he was still pointing at the, at the bowler's end. And two, when the run out was affected, he pointed to the batsman and laughed as the batsman was walking off. And that tells me not that... Like, if, if that was an accident, he would have gone, holy crap, what just happened? I can't believe that just happened. But he, he knew exactly what he was doing. And then in the press conference, Temba Bavuma sold him down the river and said... Hey, that was a clever piece of cricket from de Kock, wasn't it? In those kind of situations, you're looking for any way you can get a wicket, any edge you can get, and that was a clever piece of cricket from Quinny. And so that tells me that that was willful in the moment and should have been penalised as a result, regardless of the, the spirit of cricket side of things, and I tend to agree with both of you on that point. You saw the reaction of the fielders as well. They were laughing at that situation. So, you know, they, they knew that they'd done that. Um, but we've probably spent enough time on this. I think. We? Well, I was going to say. I think this refers, or we can reference the last episode. The you know walking between the wickets is something only Chris Gale can do. Exactly. So I don't, I don't yeah. know what fuck I was up to. Yep. Well, in in fairness, Fakir is on 193. He's, pro- <laughs> he's, he's, he's probably he, guessed. He's yeah. probably a touch fatigued, shall yep. we say? Um, An incredible innings from him, by the way, as well. Well done. Baldy, let's talk this Australian women's world record. I mean, yeah, no superlatives are enough for this feat. No, um, Australia in the first one-day international in Mount Maunganui uh, over the the Easter weekend here defeated New Zealand for their 22nd 
consecutive one-day international victory. And to put that in perspective, that's a record that goes back to the 29th of October 2017 when Australia were last defeated in an ODI. That's only 12 days short of three and a half years since they were last defeated in an ODI. They've beaten New Zealand seven times. They've beaten Sri Lanka, the West Indies, Pakistan, India and England three times each. So they've beaten everybody Mm. in that streak. Um over 22 games. I'm just going to run off a couple of stats because I, I love a good stat. And when I was researching this, I was surprised how many runs and wickets Australia got. Alyssa Healy, 1,197 runs in 20-odd games and an average of 57. Rachel Haynes averages 41. Meg Lanning averages 53.8. Elise Perry averages 66.5. And, and Beth Mooney averages 45.8 in their top five batters. Andy. Um, Jess Jonathan has 39 wickets at 13. Megan Schutt averages 18. Elise Perry averages 19. Ash Gardner averages 20. Sophie Molyneux averages 9.8. And Delissa Commence averages 13.5 in their bowling attack. That is just incredible. And one thing that, that jumped off the page at me immediately is the plus minus between Perry's batting average and bowling average. Elise Perry as a cricketer is plus 47.1 batting to bowling average over that period of time. And over her career, plus 28.67. I want to put that in perspective. Of the players in that time in the men's game that have taken 500, uh, made 500 runs and taken 20 wickets, Shakib Al-Hassan is plus 30. Elise Jeez. Perry is plus 47. The next highest is Jimmy Neesham, who's plus 6.9. Oh, and um, Williams from Zimbabwe is plus 8. And Ben Stokes is plus 4. They're the only other male cricketers in the world over that period who are in the positive, who have uh, 500 runs and 20 wickets. All time, Jacques Callis is plus 12. Viv Richards is plus 11. Lance Klusen is plus 11. Um, Flintoff is plus 7. And Imran is plus 6. Elise Perry is plus 28. Yeah, it's remarkable, isn't it? It it is beyond belief how good that Australian team is against all comers and how good Elise Perry is, and none of them get enough credit. And that just blew my mind when I looked at that today. And, look, congratulations to the Australian team. That is an incredible record. They may go on and win the next two against New Zealand. If they do, they'll stretch it to 24, and who knows beyond that. And just incredible. I, I don't want to – you've you've painted such a, a wonderful picture there. I'm not going to add too much other than to say that just the depth in their squad is remarkable as well, that, that you look at the, the way that a lot of their different – a lot of their players can kind of bat from from opening down to 9-10 in some games, and, and it, they're just all interchangeable. So many of them can bowl. When you're naming all those stats and averages – People, there's there's six or seven bowlers there that are averaging under 20. So it, it's remarkable. And, um, you know, we'll touch on them probably a little bit more when we look at the White Fern season. But, yeah, very, very impressive. Yeah, just incredible. Craig Bathwaite, Sonny's doing a good job in Sri Lanka. Yeah, he's doing well. There must be prescription. Right? <laughs> no one's called it and told us. Uh, he batted really well. Uh, I think that he's he's doing a great job leading Zimbabwe. Yeah, he is. Uh, He's doing a great job leading the West Indies. Yeah, you fired him up. Uh, ever since I, I gave him a bit of a serve and you came to his defence, he's been outstanding. Um, 150 in the second innings, is yeah, that right? 80-odd, I think, in the second innings. Incredible. Well done. A great start to his captaincy career. Yeah, couldn't get the wins, though. Two couple of draws. I think you were saying last last episode, Raj, that the pitches have just been a bit flat there. But, yeah, very impressive to, to be scoring that many rounds with sunglasses on. 
Yeah, I, I think actually that second game, West Indies really did dominate in the second test. Mm. However, couldn't get those wickets at the end, and it doesn't matter if you can't get 20 wickets, does it? But uh, I think I also wanted to point out, interestingly enough, do you think it's weird how they always focus on Mickey Arthur? I don't know if you've watched much of that series. I watched a lot of a lot of that series, but they're focusing on Mickey Arthur and his reactions. I like a coach that's passionate. You know my feelings on Mickey Arthur. I've made that quite clear. Mm. But I like a coach that's passionate. It's like in the NRL. They always show the coaches that get the angriest. Bellamy, Ricky yeah. Stewart. I don't, I don't know why they need to do that. But anyway. Mm. TV. Mm. It's an it's a entertainment product, isn't it? Talking of entertainment products, Washington Sundar. Is he trolling Australian cricket? He's named his dog Gabba after the venue of his test debut I think it's brilliant that's brilliant it's clearly a happy memory for him and he's clearly named it after a happy memory I don't think we should read too much into it and say that he's deliberately trolling the Australian cricket team I don't think he's given them that much that much attention to be fair you don't don't think this is uh, Ravi Ashwin tagging Tim Payne on on Twitter and uh, giving Nathan Lyon a nice uh, jersey for his 100th test you're reading far too much into the into (laughs) otherwise well-intended behaviours, I think, but I think it's great. <laughs> well, let's not take the gloss off uh, Baldy's Australian moment in this this week in cricket. So let's move on. We've got um, IPL injuries and withdrawals um, as the next thing on the list because we've got probably the, the lengthiest one we'll leave until last. But uh, Josh Hazelwood and Mitchell Marsh join Josh Felipe um, with bio bubble uh, fatigue, which I think is. Um, the, the vernacular that's being used. Um, Shreyas Ayer has uh, confirmed shoulder injury. So Rishabh Pant, now the captain um, of his franchise. And then unfortunately, and I, I guess it, we've got to mention this, India recorded 89,000 new cases of COVID on April the 2nd. India being the fifth worst hit country in the world at the moment. And that includes Devdutt Padakal and Aksar Patel, both uh, testing positive for covid so yeah what are we what are our thoughts on that little uh that little sort of schmozzle that's going on well i think the first thing that we've got to do is wish uh both devdut padakal and xr patel a, a speedy recovery from covid and and everyone in india who's who's suffering at the moment we wish them a, a speedy recovery as well what impact do we think this is likely to have on those teams in particular so devdut padakal uh, rcb Axar Patel, Delhi Caps, I believe. Um, And what do we think the impact's going to be on those teams and on the tournament in general? The other thing to add as well, I think, is there's eight Mumbai groundsmen that have also tested positive with COVID uh, this week as well. So, um, you know, that throws... A speedy recovery to them as well. Yeah, speedy recovery to them. But again, a cat amongst the pigeons for one of the the venues that's obviously hoping to host a lot of that IPL. Mm. The RCB one, I actually was thinking about that. Uh, today, because they've got a ready-made replacement there in Finn Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since since our last podcast, he's gone on and he's, he's scored a few runs. He's batted really well, and he, he's got some real raw power. So I think that that may give him an opportunity. I think the biggest issue with COVID is what happens with the grounds, what happens with where they're playing and, and where the tournament is being held. Well, match two... Delhi Capitals, Chennai Super Kings, April 10th is at Wankati Stadium in Mumbai as, as far as the official schedule goes at the moment. Yeah, I saw Ganguly today saying, uh, you know, that they're planning to go ahead as as scheduled and, and all that kind of stuff at the moment, which is obviously you can do it at this point, but 
we've seen how these things spiral and uh, how, how quickly things can change. And I have seen that they've also got Hyderabad as another venue kind of on standby. So yep. I, I think it's going to be a watch this space, sort of the whole tournament. And, and you know, you've seen uh, in the NBA, for example, that's going on at the moment, you see situations where a team gets an outbreak of COVID and four or five of their players suddenly are just sitting out for two weeks yep. uh, and it impacts their squad. Or, you know, or their games are postponed yep. and, and, and have to be played later. So just just for listeners who, who might not be aware, uh, 1KD Stadium at the moment is scheduled to host four games in that first, um, it might even be five games in that first week of the tournament. Matches on the 10th, the 12th, 15th and 16th, yeah. So in that first eight days of the tournament, that stadium's scheduled to host four games at this stage. So uh, let's hope that that can go ahead or they can find a, a replacement venue pretty suitably, uh, pretty quickly, I should say. I think you, you can draw some parallels here to what the NFL did during this, this COVID-ravaged uh, time. That They played through it. And I didn't hear much in terms of consternation from the public around it. There were a few games that were postponed uh, days, I'm not talking weeks, they were postponed and then they were still played. Uh, they didn't even have bubbles. They weren't playing, they weren't really in bubbles either, mm. which I, it's hard to do with you know 200 staff in each team, yep. staff and players. But um, I, I feel like that's going to be something similar to what we're going to see with the IPL. I think what you'll also see is that, you know, I think the Indian public would wholeheartedly want the tournament to go ahead. You know, it, yeah, it is such a passion for them. So I think in other scenarios and I think one of the things with the Premier League uh, soccer in the UK um, I don't know about the NFL was the availability of COVID tests um, that was a reason that South Africa cited as you know we mm -hmm. couldn't test our domestic cricketers um, you know we, we couldn't have the same sort of protocols I would think the Indian public would be behind um, as many tests as necessary being diverted to try and keep the Indian Premier League on because you know it is something that's going to be so watched on TV and, and mm -hmm. part of their you know, part of their culture. So, yeah, hopefully it's going to um, it's gonna continue. Um, but I think we will see some more withdrawals from those bubbles because I think, you know, players have been voting with their feet when they've not felt that it's um, correct. Um, and there's going to be some really interesting moral dilemmas, isn't there? Do I, do I take my uh, uh, million dollars or do I, you know, do I look after my, my, my safety and well-being? I, I think that the protocols that are there in place now look pretty solid in terms of the way that they've structured it. Um, as far as I know, the bubble is, is complete in terms of the staff that are in the, the bubble with the players are staying with the players. So they're not leaving yeah. that bubble, you know, even when they're off duty and stuff like that. So it feels like to me, even that like, different wings or different levels of hotels for players and the rest of the rest of the um, support staff and stuff like that. So um, this is going to be the danger time, right? When everyone's coming in from different places. Absolutely. I feel like these first two weeks, I think we touched on it in the IPL preview that it, they're going to be a bit disjointed anyway, because people are turning up late and we're going to get these uh, COVID outbreaks and things from, from different areas. So yeah, kind of, probably won't be able to assess who's going well necessarily in the tournament for, for three or four weeks, maybe at least two, possibly three weeks. You're right. Yeah. So let's move on to the thing that jumps off my page is the one we'll probably spend the most time talking about. We probably won't now just because I've said that. But um, DRS extension um, to include the bales. We've talked about this before. So the um, MCC World Cricket Committee made some recommendations to the ICC Rules Committee. Um, a number of them have been ignored. Um, but the, the crux of this essentially is that um, the DRS zone has now been extended um, to include the bales when previously it stopped at the, the top of the stump. Um, and then the other component of this is that umpire's call is still staying. Um, so there was some talk around that being uh, removed from the rules. 
What do we think about uh, what do we think about this? Just on the umpire's call, I think they pretty much quoted uh, what Raj said in that chat that we had around that umpire's call was was designed to get rid of the very clear error and the you know the howler, and that's what how they see it viewed, and they see it working very well in in that format. So yeah, I think I don't. I mean, you guys might have other thoughts on the umpire's call, but I think that's exactly right and, and the way we should be using it. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's why we should umpire's call should still be there. I think the point I do want to talk about is the widening of the the, the area, the area of the the stumps. So correct me if I'm wrong. So that that means that the majority of decision or more decisions are likely to remain as they were. Uh, I would think it means there's more chances of being out, isn't it? There's that you're going to have you've got more space to hit essentially if the, if the bales are there. Uh, the yeah the the area where you've got to hit is going to be you know however many centimeters that is that's bigger. Yes, you're right, Stuart. I think is the the sum total is the the area that's umpires call is still the same. It's the width yep. of mm. the ball to the width of the outside of that that area that doesn't change. The area that is out is now ever so slightly bigger. So you'll get so you'll get more wickets hitting. Yes, and you'll get. A same number of umpires' calls, um, but the because the zone's been increased, essentially there's going to be more balls that will hit the stumps and will and will be, will be out. So my my question is, why is that better? Why is that an improvement? I'll I'll answer that. I think optically for the casual fan, well, is it an improvement first and foremost? I so? I, I think so purely because the casual fan it makes it easier for them to understand that there are bales that sit on top of the stumps. And if the batsman wasn't in the way, the ball would have hit those bales. But for reasons unknown, that wasn't included in the DRS zone, and now it is. So a ball that is kind of impacting most of the bales and would normally take the top of off bale completely off and smash it sort of halfway to fine leg is now going to be given out rather than maybe even umpire's call. or And if the umpire's given that not out, then the ball's clearly hitting the top of the wickets and, and given not out. So from an optics point of view, I think that's a good thing. So do you know how they're going to do the recalibration if it's too windy and they're not using bales? That's a great question. <laughs> I would I would assume that they would that they would just act as if the bales are still there, even the heavy bales. Here's one that, uh, that jumped off the, the page for me. <laughs> a wonderful question. Raj has got all the questions it's, there. It, it's a great question. I, I'd like to know the last time that the bales were removed in a test match. Probably Wellington sometime. <laughs> yeah, don't know. Um, I've got a couple, that, a couple of others that came in that same set of, um, same set of changes or recommendations. Uh, the players will be allowed to ask the on-field umpire whether they think a genuine attempt has been made to play a shot mm. before they ask for a review. So, if but it, so hold on before we continue your thought there. That happened in the Australia India test, didn't it? With Blocker Wilson, they asked him, "Is that a shot?" And didn't he say no or yeah? I can't remember um, which way he yeah. went, but he said he said one way, and then the third umpire cha- overruled them. Yeah. So, I, my my reading of this is that the player will be able to ask that, and the umpire will give them an answer, and then they will review. Mm. So I assu- I can only assume that means that the umpire's decision on that then stands. Yeah, it would right? have to. I would it would have, have to. to stand. Um, the third umpire can also now check for a replay of any short runs. Mm. Um, and and he will then call and correct that mistake prior to the next ball. So in addition to no balls, they will now check short runs as well. There's going to be a siren for that? Yeah, I hope so. I really do. I, look, in general, I just I think that making something more out goes away from 
what we've looked at as cricket for the last 200 years. We've talked about the benefit of the doubt going to the batsman. But that, that's never been in the rules. Correct, but it's been in the spirit. My, my point is, we, again, if we're saying the technology is not 100% accurate, that the ball is not following the same trajectory as we, we think it is with the naked eye, why are we making it easier to give batsmen out? Or more likely to give a batsman out if we're not sure on that? So look, I think that the technology has improved in terms of that predictive element of um, Hawkeye or, or whatever product is being used. And to the extent that I believe they actually got um, MIT um, professors to speak to the BCCI to talk through the quality of that technology product so I, I don't actually have an issue and i probably side with baldy in that to the fan that's watching it's going well hold on a second 50 percent of the ball is smashing the bales off that's out in any game of cricket that i play on a saturday afternoon why is that not out in a uh, an international game it's probably given not out by the umpire on a saturday well afternoon. Play, play, but- play rumps but yeah um <laughs> so look i i Look, I think, and we had this conversation, I think if they are comfortable with the technology that it's to within 90-odd percent, the best umpires don't get 99% of things right. The best umpire, I think, at the moment is um, Michael Goff um, on stats, I'm I'm pretty sure, Um, or or it might be Kettlebrat. Either way, he's from Yorkshire. Um, (laughs) And, um, you know, they're saying that the technology is in the high 90%. So for me, let's go with, you know, go with the technology. I'm just, you know, I'm just disappointed they didn't make some of the other changes that, let's be honest, that MCC World Cricket Committee, it's not like it's a bunch of Muppets. You've got Brian Lara, you've got Michael Atherton, you've got Raul Dravage, you've got Anil Kumble, you've got a whole bunch of people on there that are making a suggestion to improve the game and it's not, you know, not been taken, which um, I think is a trick missed. Interestingly, uh, just before we... Do you want to finish? Oh, just one thing I, to finish I was just going to say, the flow-on effect, I think, from making that area wider is you're going to see umpires more likely or more likely than they have been in the past to give somebody out. Mm. And that, that... Because they don't want their umpire's call overturned. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to have a negative impact when we go to DRS as a, for the batsman. Yep, I agree. Uh, I think the batsmen have kind of been getting away with it for a little while in that that umpire that zone previously was too small. And I would argue now that it is the right size. I agree with you that the umpire may give the batsman out more often than he had previously, but then I would urge umpires to look for a reason to give the batsman not out, as all good umpires should. And if they cannot find any reason to give the batsman not out, then they give the batsman out. And that's the same process that every good umpire is taught, is that I must try and find a way to give the batsman not out, and if I can find no reason to give him not out, then I raise my finger. And if the umpires continue to do that, I think we'll see the same high standard of decision-making. I think the other thing here, and I don't want to sort of side with the two spinners in the room, but you go back 15 years, a guy would get a stride and get hit on the pad in shin eye in front of middle stump, and an umpire just going, nah, not out. The DRS has actually, I think, brought quality spin back into the game, um, particularly into test cricket. I mean, oh my goodness me, if, if DRS had come in a little bit earlier in Shane Warne or Anil Cumbley's career, 
that you know they'd, they'd have probably finished um, murally as well they'd have probably finished with a thousand wickets apiece mm. so look, I, I really do think that you know it, it has improved the game it's going to have an impact again um, so I think your batting stats are probably going to come down three or four points and your bowling stats are probably going to um, also, also going down, down three or four points <laughs> yeah. um, but look, I, I, I think the technology is you know is is pretty decent so let's uh, let's give it a whirl one final note the ICC has also changed its regulations on replacement players as well so there is now the unqualified use and I'm reading this from a Cricket Australia article in inverted commas uh, of replacement players in a bid to understand better the implications of concussion and COVID-19 so um, it looks like for first class cricket uh, unqualified use of substitutes you can substitute someone for concussion COVID-19 whatever you want to do sorry that, that, can, that, can, sorry can you say that one again so you can unqu- what does unqualified mean unqualified use I don't so they can do it because it went past their helmet and they think it hit them in the head. So it's concussion. I, I think the I think the term unqualified is if the team claims that they would like to have a substitute, they get it without without having to qualify in some so how, way how long and meet do they some produce rolling subs. And do we know whether that's a like a like for like? Because that's what it had to be previously, wasn't it? No, like, no other news in this article. But yeah. I shall run it down for you, Adam, <laughs> and I shall present a full report. On the next well, podcast. Look, this is just like that's that. a good point, though. Th- this is just like that, that bullshit um, big bash league substitution X factor rule. At the end of the day, if you're saying Steve Smith has got a head knock, I want to bring in my seventh best batsman. Mm. Surely, as a um, an opposition side, you're going to go, yes, yeah, sweet, no problems. Yeah, you're not actually going to use it unless someone is actually yep. damaged in some way. The danger is that it it, it, it could be rorted. And there is the perception that it is being rorted. Yep. And that's the most damaging thing. Yep. It's perception Even if rather it's than not. reality. So, guys, we'll just finish this week in cricket. Ireland getting a test match against Australia in 2022, which is uh, almost as far off as our next IPL preview, um, to go with their <laughs> Afghanistan tour in 2021 and 22 as well. So, yeah, good news for some of those um, associate nations getting test matches against the big boys. Absolutely. And the, the sort of further point to that is that it looks like they'll be be played in non-traditional test match venues as well so uh, areas around Australia that wouldn't ordinarily get a test maybe Canberra maybe Townsville maybe Cairns uh, maybe even Darwin places like that might get a test match as well so a chance for the people that live in those rural and regional areas or our nation's capital uh, to get some test cricket which is a good thing and seeing uh, Rashid Khan and Mohamed Nabi and those kind of guys on Australian soil and the island guys as well fantastic so that wraps up this week in cricket we've gabbed on for nearly as long as Washington Sundar's gabba named dog um, but we will be back in your feeds very very shortly to wrap up the New Zealand cricketing summer and a whole host of other stuff as well look out for our IPL preview shows as well and lots of interviews coming up in the feed as well if you do want to find all the details go to www thetoporderpodcast.com you'll find us everywhere you can find reputable and non-reputable podcasts but for tonight good night god bless speak to you soon